Thank you, Daniel and Cody. What a great last song. Our God will reign forever. And as brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters, we will reign with Him. And that's why we do what we do. That's why we're sitting here worshiping Him. That's why we're planning churches. That's why we're partnering with churches. So what a, what a great time. What a, what a homecoming. It really was. It's, um, I'm a big crybaby, you know, I'm, I'm emotional. And I was sitting there thinking, I was like, it makes it tougher when you, when you um, get up and you share with people that, you know, there's, there's just so many emotions that, that's involved. You see people that watched your little girl when she was a, a baby, you know, and they're sitting here and, and just, there's just so many familiar faces. So it's a sweet homecoming. It's a lot of emotion, good emotion involved. So I'll try to, I'll try to hold it together, but you know. Uh, as, when you talk about things that mean a lot to you, it, you know, there's a lot of emotion involved, so, um, but I'm here, um, what a, what a privilege, and my journey, you know, since I've left Pendleton Street, I've answered this question a lot, because you go through a lot of training, people want to hear about what you're doing, and I, I'm asked the question, what, what has prepared you for this, looking back on ministry, and where God has called you to, and stuff like that, and, and one of my biggest answers in, involves your, your pastor, and it's this. God has been so gracious to me in every church that I've served in that leadership, specifically the senior pastor, has really in, invested in me. We, they really, it wasn't just a, a worker relationship, but they, they really invested uh, in me. So, Marty, thanks. Thanks, man. <clears throat> I mean, you look back and you are who you are because of the people around you. And um, Marty came alongside me. He loved me. He, he taught me. We had a lot of fun together. We played racquetball. We, uh, we did a lot, of, a lot of praying together. Marty used to pick on me. He'd say, Jason, all you want to do is have fun. And I'd say, Marty, all you want to do is sit in me. I mean, oh, come on. We were a great balance. So we had a, a lot of fun. But um, what's that? He tried to kill me in the, in the racquetball court. I tried to kill Ted. I mean, it was just... But we, we just had a lot of, a lot of fun together. Um, my previous pastor at Five Forks really invested in me. Um, my first pastor at David Osborne really invested in me. Um, man, what a, what a privilege to look back and see uh, what these men mean and what they do. So, with that said, how did I, how did I get here to being a church planner? I was serving in a, a church through COVID, and Joel Thrasher from the GBA came up to me. He said, hey, he said, we had a guy from San Diego. He was going to come plant a church in Piedmont. And he changed his mind. He probably came to Piedmont, rode through Piedmont and said, not plant a church in Piedmont. Uh, <laughs> but whatever circumstances there, the guy kind of stepped out and they said, we're, we're kind of praying through this. And you came to mind, would you, would you pray through this? And I said, sure, I'll, I'll pray. I'll pray through that. And my pastor, Howard, gave me a book years before called Wild at Heart. And that book was sitting on my shelf, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to pick this book up and read it. Uh, um, it's an important time, and I'm going to read through this book. Didn't know what the book was about. Started reading that book, and that book's about taking adventures for Christ, about not becoming um, routine in, in your relationship and and in the truths we know, and it was just really challenging. So I started sharing with Sarah, and we started praying through this, and we both felt that it was, it was the thing to do. 
but there were some stipulations. I wanted, I wanted my pastor to, to be on board. I wanted, I didn't want to do it alone. Um, for you all that know me, I'm just a real simple guy. Um, I'll say this, I'm not the smartest guy. It takes me a lot. So I did, it's like, if this is church is about me and about what I think, we're in trouble from the get-go. I need, I need somebody to come along with me, a team. Uh, we started praying through those things, and they just started, they just started falling in place. And that's why Daniel and, and Garland sitting right here. I, I kind of mentioned it to Daniel, said, hey, here's, here's what's going on. Here's what God, God is leading us to do, and, and man, just, just pray about it and, and see if God's leading you to do the same thing. And God put it on their heart to, to do this along with our heart. And there were some bumps in the road uh, as far as people come along, my leadership at the time. Uh, but we prayed through those and we worked through those things, and here we are playing a church in Piedmont, South Carolina. And you all came to mind several times. I was like, man, it'd be great if we could work together, but I just want to put that in God's hands. Say, God, you control that thing. And Marty calls and said, hey, man, let's, let's talk. Tell us about what you're doing. And I, I shared with him, and I'll share some more as, as we get into the message um, about who we want to be and what we want to be. And it's, it's just, I chose this, these verses because salt and light is such a simple truth that we know but sometimes we take the simple truths we brush them off to the side and the only reason we're planting the church in Piedmont is because simple truth the gospel it's not we're not going to do some flashy service we don't have I don't have anything special to offer um Daniel don't have anything special to offer other than we love people and we love the gospel and we want to bring it to people we want to be a a a modern gospel voice to the people in Piedmont. So that's pretty much how we got here. And we're still journeying through. I have people that are here today. Some of my family's here. There's some people back there. And from the get-go, you know, these people have, have just just came alongside me, and they love me, and they pray for me, and they've given. And, and it's not because they're like, yeah, we got this new thing going. It's simply because they love me. And they said, well, you know, we love Jason. We, we believe in Jason. We know who Jason is, and we want to go that same direction. And, and they're here this morning, and I, I thank them. So, man, what a, what a privilege. God is on the throne, and the only reason we do what we do is to, is to be there with him and to bring as many people along as we can. Because there's going to be a time, there's going to come a time in our life where that's no longer needed. So the time is now. The time is important. We have such a, such a great privilege to do this. So Pastor Marty uh, already read the scripture this morning. And in these four verses, you see the function of the believer in the world. Uh, the gospel is simple. These verses are simple. It's so simple that a, that a child gets. And actually, back row Baptist right there, that's why I'm on the back row, because I got my kids with me. And they'll be swinging from the chandeliers like monkeys in a little bit if we don't watch out um, for them. But this, is, this message, they can understand this message. It's simple. MacArthur says function is influence. And whether you like it or not, we're all influencing people. Everywhere we go, we're influencing people. We're, we're influencing people this morning. We're, we'll be influencing people tomorrow. We all have influence. In fact, there's a country song out. Do you have any country music listeners? I listen to country music. I'll, I'll admit it. Y'all may run me off stage in a minute. But, um, it says, Dad, I've been watching you. Ain't that cool? Cool. I'm your buckaroo. I want to be just like you, right? Remember, the dad slams on the brakes. The kid's happy meal goes flying in the floor, and he says something he shouldn't say. And the dad's like, son, where'd you hear that? Dad, you. 
I've been watching you. That's cool, isn't it? See, we have influence. We have influence in our, in our families, in the people we work with. It's like a sponge. You could take a, a brand new sponge and you could dip it in this nasty, muddy water and you pick it up and you sit on the table. That sponge looks good sitting there. But when you squeeze it, whatever's in that sponge comes out. That's, that's influence. And I hope the Lord uses me to influence you today. I hope uh, the Lord uses you to go out and influence people uh, this week with, with your life. The 28th president, Woodrow Wilson, uh, told a story. I got this from, from MacArthur. He told this story. He told a story about being in a barbershop. And he was sitting there, and he was getting his hair cut. And a man walked in, and he said, when the man walked in, you could just tell the atmosphere changed just by how the man carried himself and how he began to, to talk and converse in the barbershop. And he said it was almost like you were sitting in a worship service. And the man was just simply detailed in the questions that he was asking the barber and the other men in that barber shop. And he said, by the time this man was done getting his hair cut, it felt like we would just been, been in worship together. And he said, this man was D.L. Moody. And he said, I purposely sit there in that barber shop a little bit longer because I wanted to hear what those people in the barber shop said about this man once he left. And he said, once the man left, they began to they began to talk. And he said, the whole atmosphere was changed just because this man stepped inside of this barber shop and shared a little bit of who he was, and shared a little bit about Christ and his life. And we have that influence everywhere we go if we take the initiative to influence people in that way. You see, an influence must be different than than that which it influences. That's why that's why we are the church. That's why we're believers, because we go into the world and we have an influence for Christ. Not, not for us, but for Christ. And that's what it's all about. We can't influence the world for God when we are worldly ourselves. And that's why it constantly takes us coming before Christ. Like Luke 9.23 says, we, come, we deny ourselves. We come before Christ, we, pick up, we come before Christ, we pick up our cross, we follow him daily. And that's what it's about. Right before these verses, the great blessing of Beatitudes were found. Um, and with those come great responsibilities. The blessing of heaven and comfort and inheriting earth and being filled with righteousness and mercy. Being called children of God. Being given heavenly rewards. They all bring respo- responsibility of being salt and light to the world that we come in contact with. And in verse 13, it's, it's, it's personal. Because he says, you are the salt. You are the light. The gospel's personal. The gospel's for each and every person. It's for everybody sitting in this room. It's for everybody we come in contact with when we leave this building. It's even for people in Piedmont, South Carolina. Right down the road. But if you're familiar with Piedmont, it it can be a mission field in, uh, in and of its own. But the gospel... Is personal. Jesus says and uses us to share the gospel. He could have put it on anybody's heart. He could have chose any way where he wanted people to hear the gospel, to respond to the gospel. But he chose us. He chose me. He chose you. He said the greatest news ever told, the greatest, the life-changing news, 
news of the gospel, I'm going to use you to have influence in the people's lives that you come in contact with. And that is simply what we're doing. We want to have influence in every aspect of our life. The world's corruption will not be stopped and its darkness will not be illuminated unless you are the salt and light of the world. Use also plural because it's talking to the church. When we come together, we're a church body. We come together with a focus to, to praise God, to worship God, but then to be scattered, to go out. See, each little grain of salt has influence when it comes together and then scattered out. And he says believers are to be salt. Nobody sits down. I mean, I love salt. Does anybody else love salt? I love salt. I mean, I pour it on my ketchup. I'll take a lemon and I'll put salt on the lemon and eat it. Does anybody else do that? That's, is that really weird? There's nobody else besides my family that don't count. There's nobody else in this room that eats a lemon with salt. Okay, there's a couple in the back. Okay, all right. See, I I mean, I do. I pour salt on my lemon. I eat it. It's good. Love salt. But I'm never going to sit down and pour me a big old bowl of salt and just get my spoon and start. That's gross, right? Even think about it. It's like, ugh. But if you take that salt and you scatter it, and salt's good. Salt adds flavor. It adds substance. And the people of God should be like this. We're to preserve and add substance. Life, flavor, influence. Not because of anything we are, not because we're special, we have anything to offer, but because God has saved us. And he influences our life now. And he lives in us. And that's what it's about. Adding life and flavor and substance. And influence to all those we come in contact with. A simple truth. To be salt and light. But man, if we don't apply that simple truth every day. And live it out. It's just the knowledge. We're missing it. To do this, we can't be contained in in Christian community. Christian community is great. But we we have to be scattered in society. We have to promote love and justice and equality and mercy and grace even when we're driving down Woodruff Road at Christmas time. So for the next couple months, you have to possess those things even when you're driving down Woodruff Road at Christmas time. Better yet, stay off Woodruff Road at Christmas time, but you have to. We have to be in every dimension of society. We have to be in it, ingrained. We can't pull ourselves out, but be in it. And bring influence. Y'all ever, do kids still play with dominoes? My kids don't. Anybody still play with dominoes? I mean, how cool was it to set up a big old train of dominoes? It was so satisfying, and then you push that domino, and they all, they all just fall, right? Well, it's, it's like dominoes. When we start having influence in people's lives, all it takes is one person having influence. And, man, God does the work. God does the rest, Right? And you start seeing lives change simply because we're being obedient. Salt was very valuable in those days. In fact, Roman soldiers were paid in salt. That's where we get the expression, not worth the salt. They were, they were paid in salt. Uh, it was used to mark friendships, to bind covenants. Uh, salt was to preserve food. So in this day, everyone listening to the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus was telling the story, Everyone, everyone got it when he started talking about salt. Salt was like the cell phone of the day, all right? Everybody had some salt in their pocket. 
It's like you pull out the new cell phone. Who has the, what's the new cell phone? The 13? Somebody have the thir- anybody have the 13? I got like the 5. <laughs> it was important. People got it. They were like, yeah, I get what he's talking about. Everybody, everybody has some salt. So when Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, he's saying this. He's saying you're valuable. He's saying you're important. You're significant. You can make a difference. And he commands you to go do it. Go be salt. Go be light. Just as salt's there to add flavors, believers should be adding flavor. Christians, we don't don't have to be quiet and mundane and 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 say, you know, I, I know this, but I don't want to share. No, God wants you to share. He wants you to invest. He wants you to love those around you. Christians, believers, they're the means of God blessing mankind. He wants to use you. He desires to use you. Whether you're in third grade at school or you're a CEO of your big company, he wants to use you to influence people for Christ. And then he talks about when salt becomes useless, it's good for nothing. And don't become good for nothing. I preached a couple weeks ago on the Good Samaritan. You remember the man was laying in the ditch and he needed help. And the Levite, the the churchgoer, just walked by. The priest, the pastor just kind of walked by. And I said this, and and I thought about it even more, but I don't think the Levite, the the priest, I don't think they woke up that morning and they said, you know what, I'm I'm not going to help anybody today. I'm just going to go on and do my thing. I don't think that was their intent. But I think we all identify with them because I think we get so busy and I think we get so distracted that we forget to stop and be the salt and the light. I think we forget to stop and say, I have influence over people because of who I am in Christ. And when, when our identity is in Christ, we no longer have the privilege to live for ourselves. One of my favorite verses, this isn't in my notes, but I'm going to throw it in here because it's one of my favorite verses. Daniel says, you always get that verse in there somehow. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of Man who died and gave his life for me. So as a believer, we don't, we don't have the privilege to live for ourselves. And we shouldn't want the privilege to live for ourselves. God reigns forever. And we will reign with him to one day forever. But while we're here, man, let's do something great. Let's see lives change. Let's bring influence for the gospel of Christ. Then we go into the light. Again, it's personal. He says, you are the light of the world. Where salt is hidden, light's obvious. Salt works secretly. You don't see the salt working, but light, it's out in the open. You can't hide it. Salt works from within where light light works from without. Salt works primarily through living while light works through our actions, how we act, what we say, how we treat each other. Believing and behaving go hand in hand. You're going to behave the way you believe. Those things work together. 
lights more of a positive note. It not only reveals what is wrong and false, but it helps produce what is righteous and what is true. And that's where we get the saying, let's shed some light on this situation. It, it shows what is, what is true. And light works best when it's, when it's gathered together. Verse 14 says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Has anybody ever been to Las Vegas? Raise your hand. I won't ask any more questions. I know what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Y'all are, y'all are oh gosh. I'm from Vegas. So I lived a l- large uh, portion of, of my life in Vegas. My, my mom, uh, my sister was born in Vegas. She's a little heathen. Sometimes I have to remind myself, well, she was born in Vegas. And, um, but I remember being a kid. And we lived outside of Vegas a couple hours, a few hours. And we would drive into Vegas on the weekends. And at night when we'd come in, you would get close. I mean close probably, you know, 50 to 100 miles away. And you would see the glow. You could just see the, the night. Everything, it's black. There's nothing else around Vegas. And there's this, this light. And it would glow. And you could see it as you, as you would drive in. You could just see it glowing. And when I think about being a light, to the world, that's all we're supposed to be. We're, su- we're supposed to have that influence to where, wherever where we go, people can say, man, there's a light. I, I see it. They're different. And that's what we're called to be. Could you put your sh- yourself in the shoes of back in Jesus' day, the people riding camels, or their sandals. You, they didn't wear shoes, they wore sandals, I guess. And looking for a place to stay, could you imagine trying to find that little candlelight but could you imagine if they were several together? You could probably see it and it meant something to them. There's hope. There's a place to stay. There's food. There's water. And that's what the church needs to be to people that we come in contact with. We need to be hope, loving, meeting needs if we can meet needs. Be the light to the world. And the local church is God's demonstration of love for one another. This is the beauty of Christ. I didn't ask what time I need to be finished. Huh? Okay. All right. The local church is God's demonstration of love for one another. This is the beauty of Christ. That's what it's about. Our church should have an attractional force but ascending power. And we have to, we have to come together. Listen, we're planning this church, but if we didn't have churches come alongside us that are established, that... that are mission-minded, we wouldn't make it. In fact, they, the, I was at the Southern Baptist Convention, they were doing through some, going through some training, and they said the last time a, 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 sex, uh, um, a group of church planters came through, six out of the ten church planters didn't make it. And out of the four, two of them had to be taken on by another church. A church merged in and just kind of adopted their names. So only two made it. And, and it's, it's hard work. But when you have people come alongside you, loving on you, praying for you, it makes it so much, so much easier. We have to create a culture of evangelism. We, we can't just take classes and say we're evangelistic. Just like as missions, we can't, we can't send money and say we're missional. We have to get our hands dirty, right? We have to put boots on the ground, um, Getting involved. And I know that's been different the last couple of years. It's looked really different. But it, that's just four missions. There's so much stuff to be done. And I follow y'all on Facebook. I know, 
I know Mark and Stephen and Austin. There may be some others that are involved in this. I know, man, y'all are investing still in kids and spending time, and that's missional. That's what it's about. I, I love to see that stuff. I think I just seen a poster. I went hiking or something, took a group. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff, man. That's what it's about. You're, invest, you're influencing those kids' lives. And listen, it doesn't matter if we pack this place out. It don't matter if all across America this morning, church buildings are just packed out to the house, to the gills, bringing in chairs. That's great. But if we're not leaving these buildings and influencing those we come in contact with, reflecting Christ wherever we go, we're failing as believers. In fact, I'll say this, the greatest sermon preached this morning will probably not come from a pulpit, but it will come from you as you go into your families and your workplaces and you influence those around you for Christ. That's going to be the greatest message preached this week, next week, and weeks to come. That's, that's what it's about. The main thing is that we're out there being salt and light. And God could take the smallest seeds that we plant the gospel and grow them into salvation in the lives of people. And that's all we want to do. We want to say, God, allow us to plant as many seeds as possible, to give truth, and then you do the work. You do the saving work. You do the life-changing work in these people's lives. Community. Here's some benefits of having that community with each other. We hold each other accountable. We learn from one another. We, we rejoice in success and we console in failure. We create a bond through experience and situations. Uh, it just makes sense to do life together, doesn't it? Doesn't it make sense to do? And that's why when I walked in here today with my family and I looked around, I seen all these familiar faces. It's probably been seven or eight years, but we did life together. There's a, there's, a, there's a section in our life where, man, we were together. We were praying together. We were serving together. We had some hard days together. Um, we had some fun days together. And we get to look where we are now, look back and say, man, God, God brought us here. And, and in 10 years, we'll say, this, that's where God's taken us. God brought us. But, but to do life together, that's what it's about. We make each other better. And I'm going to, sh- I, I don't ever support fighting but this story is just a perfect story to share about a fight I got into. I've probably only been like two fights in my whole life, but this is one of them. Uh, I was playing football in the playground, and I threw the football at my buddy. He was my buddy, I guess. And I hit him in the head with it, and he got mad at me. And he walked up to me, and I didn't know what he was going to do, but he punched me right in the nose. Bam. Bloody my nose. I mean, made, made me cry, you know, and I was just, I was so mad. And I told him, I said, I I can't kill you right now because I can't see. I said, but when I get better, you're getting it. You know, there's, there's code of conduct on the playground. Like, there's code of conduct on the playground. You, you don't get beat up on the playground, and you've got to settle it. You know, it's just the way it goes. At least it was when we were kids. So I said, okay, whatever. We went to the principal's office. And you, are y'all good? I was like, yeah, I'm good. So then it came time. I was like, okay, you hit me in the nose. We're going to settle this thing, right? Well, he had a bigger brother named Joey, and Joey was going to beat me up, and I was scared of Joey. 
Joe was bigger than I was by a couple years. And I had a next-door neighbor. His name was Ryan, and he was my buddy, and he was bigger than Joey. And, and, and I remember we had the – I don't know what was wrong with us kids, but we had the place called The Pit. And that's where you went to fight. I don't know. You can't do that nowadays. But anyways, I was supposed to be at the, I was supposed to be at the pit and, and meet Joey there. And I was scared. And Ryan told me. I remember Ryan saying, you're going to show up. And you're going to be there. Or I'm going to beat you up. And I was like, oh, no. I'm really in trouble now. Ryan's my next door neighbor. I know he can, he's going he's gonna to beat me up if I don't fight Joey I'm in trouble but anyways so out of fear for my life I showed up to the pit and there was Joey and I was like oh man fixing to die but Ryan was standing there too and I was like oh gosh here we go so like we knew we got in a fight whatever terror kids fight we ended up tussling on the ground and whatever but I'll never forget once that was over it was over nobody picked on me nobody messed with me but looking back, if Ryan wouldn't have pushed me to show up, to take up for myself, to, to be there, I'd have ran and I'd have been scared. And there's no, I could have got picked on. I don't know. But it done something to me to know that it was the right thing to do to stand up for myself. I don't know why I'm telling you about fighting, to talk about being there for each other, pushing each other. But that was a big thing in, in my life. And I don't even, I mean, we probably didn't throw a punch. We probably just pull each other's hair and bit each other's ear or something I don't know it was one of those things okay it wasn't anything bad but man we have to do life together encourage one another push through the hard times because there's going to be hard times there's going to be bad times but you push through and I don't know about you but I want people in my life that are going to challenge me to do the things that need to be done and to take the hard roads and to stand up for the things and do the things that I'm scared of doing and I believe Jesus, Jesus built us to need that, to need one another, to sharpen, to disciple one another. If we were to picture the gospel and our love for one another, that needs to take place in the local congregation of people who have come together and love to be the church. And, and that's what it's about. It's the, the love of the gospel, the picture of the gospel is pictured in our church. Even, even the sacraments, and it's the picture... The baptism is the picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. The, the Lord's Supper is the, proclaims the death of Christ until he returns and reminds us to confess our sins and experience forgiveness. All we have to do is be obedient in living for Christ. Share the gospel. Make disciples. Take the simple truths that we know as a, as a head knowledge to be salt and to be light and live those things out. But it's so much better when we come together. It's so much better when we have a church that says, hey, we, we want to love you. We want to pray for you. We want to give to you. We want to do ministry with you in Piedmont. And that's just, a, to, to me, that's just a God thing. That's just God reaffirming the calling that we have. We have brothers and sisters that say, hey, we're going to invest in you. We don't know what the next three years looks like. We don't know what the next five years looks like, but we're going to be praying for you and being there. We're going to partner with you in this ministry that you're called to. Man, that's what it's about.
and we are the salt and the light. And I'll close with this right here. When it's all said and done, we're simply better together. We'll have influence this week. What kind of influence will you be to all those that you come in contact with? Church, thank you so much for allowing me to come to share with you. Uh, I love you. So many great, great memories. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do um, in the next few years. Let's, let's pray together. God, we love you. Like Pastor Marty said earlier, Lord, we thank you for our calling. We thank you for salvation that you place in our life. We're thankful for who you are and how you work in us and through us. What a, what a privilege to be used in that manner. Lord, I pray for great things for Pendleton Street Baptist Church. I pray for great things for the church at Piedmont Mill. Lord, I pray for great things for churches all across America where the gospel is life-changing. Allow us to influence people's lives so seeds can be planted, so people can see and we can reflect the love of Christ. Use us in a, in a great, great way, be, not because we are good, but because you are good, and we seek to glorify your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.